Hey guys, it's Jill. Jen and I wanted to give you a heads up about the content on today's episode. It may be triggering for more sensitive audiences. Refer to the show notes for more specifics. And take care while you listen. On this episode of Common Mystics, we investigate a story of young love, murder, and mystery in the shadow of the crimescape of Atlantic City in 1920. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are Common Mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And today's story takes us to Atlantic County, New Jersey, just 30 miles outside of Atlantic City. Jennifer, we were leaving Philadelphia and we were headed to the ocean. We sure were. (laughs) We were pulled to Atlantic City and we drove there from Philly. We were ridiculous in Atlantic City. I'll just say that. We were utterly seduced. We were Atlantic City drunk for sure, but (laughs) save it for the detours. Okay. Okay. So check out our detours on our Patreon page at tiers two and above if you are interested in our shenanigans in Atlantic City. Anyway, our hits in the car, we were driving east and right away I was feeling the large trees, this forest of beautiful tall trees that I would not associate with New Jersey. It was weird that we felt like we were driving in forested area and we were in New Jersey. Yeah. Totally weird. So it brought to mind a farm, like John Stewart, I heard, had a farm in New Jersey and we had that conversation. So that was definitely on our mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing Tony Soprano in my mind. What about him? Well, feeling... The mob, obviously. Also, Mm -hmm. the figure of an Italian man who's in control of his family. You know, like the family Mm -hmm. man, but also the boss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a very patriarchal society, if if I'm right. I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. But you were also picking up on mobsters. For sure. That feeling of like organized crime and like the rackets and that kind of stuff was like popping up, like that kind of lingo. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for me, I was really pulled and drawn to the idea of a young woman, a young woman. Even in the research, you kept telling me, look for the women. Tell me about the women. There's a woman. woman. There's a young woman. Yes, exactly. And I, as we were driving, again, those woods, it felt like there was a body dumped hiding they hit a body in the woods that's how it felt to me okay and you well there was a song running through my head for no reason and it was jack and diane by john mellencamp it's a little ditty a little ditty about jack and diane two american kids doing the best they can Mm-hmm. and it, it didn't make sense at the time but i wrote it down because i knew it was from spirit so we were feeling specifically the 1920s yes. like legit it was very art deco yes 100 percent. so i was obsessed with getting to atlantic city and getting to the boardwalk like legit upset i did i never been there before but what we did know when we were in atlantic city when we kind of sobered up we we're like <laughs> we need to get out of the city yes. our story is not right here yes and also i'll just just say we need to do a more voices of Atlantic City because it is packed, packed with hauntings. So many. So many stories. The city itself is haunted. Okay, so we will talk about that in an upcoming episode. Well, okay, so I know that Atlantic City and that area of the country has been settled like for millennia by Native Americans. Mm-hmm, so of course. Here, like, can we just take that Take that, say it right now. But can you tell me specifically about when the Europeans have gotten to the area and how that developed? Sure. 
European settlement in the area goes back to the 1600s. In 1664, New Jersey became an English province when Mm. Charles II of England granted his little brother James, the Duke of York, the land between the Hudson and Delaware rivers. You never give me anything like that. Correct. And I never will. But anyway, back to James. Charles II was a better (laughs) sibling. I'm just going to say that right now. James named the new land Nova Caesarea, which... That's a stupid name. It kind of sounds like uh, New Caesar land, but... Whatever. Today, the boundaries of Nova Caesarea are exactly the boundaries of modern New Jersey. That's crazy. It has such a specific shape to it, like an odd little S. It's the shape of my pinky toe. Both pinky toes are shaped. Okay, gross. Moving on. Mm -hmm. In February of 1837, Atlantic County was established. Nice. Atlantic County is the county in New Jersey that is bordered on the east by the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. It is also the home to the iconic Atlantic City. Yes, ma'am. Now, Atlantic City, what I knew about it before we got there, of course, I knew the boardwalk, but I associate it with like a a little Vegas, right? Okay. Like it feels like very Vegas. Like you got the mob, you got the the casinos, you got the big hotels. Can you tell me a little bit about Atlantic City and why I have these impressions? Like how did it get... How did I get to think of that when I think of Atlantic City? Well, at the very, very beginning, Atlantic City was started by the efforts of a man named Dr. Jonathan Pitney, and he arrived in the area around 1820. Okay. Now, Dr. Pitney in 1852 promoted the idea that there were healing properties in the salt water and the ocean air. I believe it. I know. Me too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I love the ocean air. I love the ocean so much. It tastes salty. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, and Dr. Pitney recommended Absecon Island as a health resort. And that's where Atlantic City is on. That would become Atlantic City. And so with the help of civil engineers, he devised a plan for creating a large scale resort. And when he presented his designs for the resort to railroad investors, it led to the creation of the Camden and Atlantic Railroad, which would open in 1854. This is so exciting. What a good visionary, Dr. No Pitney. Kidding. Tell me everything. He was like a little Disney, kind of. Mm-hmm. July 4th of 1854, the railroad was opened to the public. On the 4th of July? That's so exciting. The first paying passengers passed through Absecon to the new city of Atlantic City on Absecon Island. Aww. 20 years later. Almost 500,000 visitors a year would be drawn to Atlantic City to enjoy its boardwalk attractions and luxurious hotels. And I think you see here the change from a place to go get healthy and enjoy the health benefits of the salty air to maybe a little more nefarious activities. Well, tell me, how did the nefarious activities come about? Because right now, I am loving what's happening in Atlantic City in 1874. Tell me, when did it kind of get more seedy? And don't get me wrong, I like me a good seediness. I like a little grime in my life. Mm, But I did know that about you. How did Atlantic City get there? (laughs) 
if it's grimy, it's it's just you know it's 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 like a patina. It gives it character. So let me introduce to you a man named Louis Coonley. Tell me about him. Who is also known as Commodore Coonley. He was considered a pioneer in the growing resort town of Atlantic City in the late 1880s and early 1900s. Why? He was the leader of the Republican organization that controlled Atlantic City in the early 1900s. Coonley is credited as the architect and first leader of the partisan political machine in Atlantic City. And he held a great amount of control over the city from the late 1800s. Control is such an interesting word to use when you're talking about a politician. Right. Go on. Sorry. Well, he he held great control over the city until his imprisonment in 1911. He was imprisoned. What? Tell me everything. Well, he had a hotel and promoted rackets such as prostitution, gambling and the sale of liquor. Harmless vices. He extorted money from the gambling rooms and the whorehouses, as well as a variety of legitimate businesses to fund his Republican political operation. No excuse for that. See, Coonley would force government employees to kick back a percentage of their salaries to the Republican Party. Ooh, like union fees or union duties. So he was a politician, but he was also part of the organized crime syndicate. It's like one in the same. It's very interesting. Right. But here's where it, it does get a little muddy because he did great things for the city. Tell me, what kind of great things would he do for the city? Well, the city would bid out improvements. So improvements to the sewer system, improvements to the water mains. Sure. And Coonley owned businesses would often win those contracts, even though, by the way, they weren't the lowest bidder. Shut up. So, yeah, he was doing good things for the city, but he was also making money from doing those deeds. So, right. It's he was dirty, but he did good things. It's right? like a braid, right? Yeah. It's just like this in, in the entanglement between legitimacy and corruption. In 1913, Coonley was convicted of conflict of interest related to corruption and was sentenced to one year of hard labor and a thousand dollar fine. So he was probably like disgraced. He put his head down. No one liked him after that. Well, the funny thing was when he died in 1934, City Hall was draped in black and the flags were hung at half mast. They loved him. I know. So he was beloved in some ways. He was celebrated even with all the shenanigans going on. So so he's in prison. So when does Atlantic City go legit? Like what happens after he's in prison? Like they put a stop to this. Like this is a tale. The moral is don't be a corrupt politician oh no 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 there was way too much money to be made (laughs) his footsteps were followed by a new man named enoch or nucky johnson tell me i think i heard of him really yeah i think i think there he was the subject of a hbo show oh well nucky johnson between 1905 and 1909 rose to political prominence in atlantic county new jersey following in his father's footsteps as sheriff as well as serving as the atlantic county republican executive committee secretary which was a very politically important position 
So he was a politician, like you said. He was. In 1911, when the local boss, Louis Coonley, was charged with corruption. Remember I told you that? And he was Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, charged with corruption. Nucky Johnson and others were charged as well. But while Coonley was convicted, Johnson was acquitted. And that allowed him to succeed Coonley and effectively control the Republican-led Atlantic City and Atlantic County governments. Shut up. So by this time, Atlantic City is a tourist destination, right? Yeah. Right. And like a popular one. Exactly. Exactly. And city leaders knew that its success as a resort destination depended on providing its visitors with what they wanted. What did they want, Jennifer? Well, sea breeze, sunshine, <laughs> the fresh ocean air, <laughs> healing properties, I hear. Maybe. But many more wanted the opportunity to drink a lot of liquor, gamble away their money, and mm-hmm. visit prostitutes. And so, city leaders, knowing that permitting a vice industry would give the city an edge over other tourist destinations allowed that vice industry to flourish in Atlantic City. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so gambling, prostitution, and the service of alcohol on Sundays, which at the time was prohibited by New Jersey law, were all happening in exchange for the payment of protection money by vice industry operators to the quote unquote organization, which was led by Nucky Johnson. So that is like straight up mobby. Yeah. The organization, like, whoa. Right? These words, great control, organization, that does seem very organized crime Well, Nucky is the political leader and had a lot of different jobs during his 30-year rule. Nucky Johnson was county treasurer. He was county collector. He was publisher of a weekly newspaper. He was a bank director. He was president of a building and loan company and the director of a Philadelphia brewery. What's interesting about that is researching murders and like mysterious deaths around Atlantic City. It's really difficult during these times. And it just occurred to me that it's because Nucky was controlling the output of information of what was coming out and what was happening in Atlantic City. But even with that happening, you would assume that other leaders around the country, like this wasn't happening in a vacuum. Wasn't someone like, hey, guys, there's some crimes happening in Atlantic City. Why wasn't like the federal government involved in this? Well, Nucky Johnson was also responsible for electing several governors and U.S. senators as well. So his influence went all the way to Washington, D.C. Wow. Yep. Wow. So Nucky Johnson's power reached its peak during the golden age of Atlantic City, and that was during Prohibition. I can see that. Do you want to remind us what Prohibition was? Guys, it was a sad time in American history. <laughs> America lost its mind and was like, you know what? We are not serving alcohol anymore, folks. And so like beer and whiskey were all broken up in the streets and dumped in drains and <laughs> Every everyone had a hand over their heart, their hat clenched in their hands watching that happen. But for about almost 10 years, I would say, right? Yeah, liquor was outlawed. It went into effect in 1920. Prohibition lasted until 1933. So, of course, Atlantic City would have been like, "Okay, guys, we're not it's all illegal now." <laughs> 
We're not drinking no more. Prohibition was effectively unenforced in Atlantic City. They ignored Ooh, prohibition. Remember, Nucky what? Johnson had influence in D.C. That's some shit right there. You could still go to Atlantic City and like openly go to a bar. Chicagoans were hiding in basements. <laughs> no. Okay. Literally hiding in basements to get a drink. And these people were like sitting on the boardwalk, laying down on a beach chair with their whiskey in their hands. Right. That's messed up. And so, of course, because Prohibition was unenforced, that made Atlantic City an even hotter destination during Prohibition. Because what it was I'm one of the sure. it was one of the few places where you could go and openly get liquor. Would you go? Hell yeah, I'd move in. I'd be buying real estate. <laughs> be like, move over, Johnson. <laughs> The city was called the world's playground. It was said that Johnson's own income came from the percentage he took on every gallon of illegal liquor sold and on the gambling and prostitution operations in Atlantic City. Did he ever address the elephant in the room like, hey, um, uh, sorry to bother you, but you're doing all this illegal thing. Oh, my like, gosh. Shouldn't you not? He didn't care. Nucky Johnson once said, and I quote, we have whiskey, wine, women, song, and slot machines. I won't deny it, and I won't apologize for it. If the majority of the people didn't want them, they wouldn't be profitable, and they would not exist. The fact that they do exist proves to me that the people want them. God damn, that's strong. I mean, you can't <laughs> argue with that. You can't argue with that. Yeah. No, I kind of like it. <laughs> It's capitalism, right? If people didn't want it, people wouldn't spend their money on it. So tell me. Johnson's downfall. Yeah, I know it's coming. Taxes, Jill. It's always taxes. The federal government wants their money. Let me tell you what happened. Woodrow Wilson, a square. And he was elected governor. <laughs> we would not be friends with Woodrow Wilson. No, I would totally beat him up. Like He's the narc. Yeah. I would give him such big wedgies, it would be, like, unwalkable. He couldn't walk it off. Anyway, Woodrow Wilson, square. And he was all like, if you make me governor of this state, I will clean up Atlantic City. You know that grimy, drinking city you guys have down there? I'm going to clean it up. And so he put pressure on the federal government to look into Nucky. And it worked. Well, in 1933, a property lien was filed against Nucky Johnson by the federal government for taxes that he owed on income earned in 19. 27. Some bullshit. <laughs> in 1933, also, that was the year of the repeal of prohibition, which meant alcohol is legal again across the United States. And so Atlantic mm. City no longer has that draw to people because they don't have to go there anymore. They can get it anywhere. Wow. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So conventions stopped meeting in Atlantic City. Tourists stopped going there. And ultimately, Johnson and his political machine see a trickling of their, their income. Mm -hmm. In 1939, Nucky Johnson was indicted for evading taxes. And after a two-week trial, he was convicted and ultimately sent to the penitentiary. And so after he's convicted and sent to the penitentiary, what happens? Did they go legit? Atlantic City did not go legit. <laughs> the next successor was a man named Frank S. Farley, who became the new leader of the Atlantic City political machine. So it just 
keeps going. But for sure, the 1920s were the heyday. Okay, tell me, like we keep alluding to behaviors that are similar to the mob, but these aren't like technically mobsters. Why is the mob so synonymous with Atlantic City? This is insane. You are going to love it. I do love a good mob story. Tell me. (laughs) There is a historical event that occurred in 1929 in Atlantic City, and it was a conference for mob bosses. What? It was a conference for organized crime leaders. What are you even saying? I'm not even kidding. Could you imagine that conference? Can you imagine the breakout sessions? (laughs) (laughs) It was the Atlantic City Conference, 1929, and it's considered by most historians to be the earliest organized crime summit held in the United States. And it had a major impact on the future of the criminal underworld across the United States. What is coming out of your face right now? What are you saying? Have you heard of Lucky Luciano? Have I heard of Lucky? Jennifer! Who's Lucky I love Luciano? The mob. Lucky Luciano is one of the most relevant mobster bosses in the United States. He created what we think of as the mob today, the institution, the organizations. Lucky Luciano worked out of New York City, right? That's a true statement. He went to this conference in 1929, Atlantic City. And the infamous Lucky Luciano, after leaving this conference, would completely reinvent the mafia, transforming it from the Sicilian traditions of honor and family into a very American operation built on corporate structure with a board of directors and the systematic infiltration of legitimate enterprises that would protect the mob to unparalleled heights of power through the mid-20th century. That is a great conference. (laughs) Don't you love it? Like, you go there, you network, you learn things, and then you go and you make stuff happen, Jennifer. I love when I go to a conference and leave with actionable tidbits. Yes, yes. Do you think the presentations are online somewhere? Because I would really (laughs) like to tap into their methodology. Imagine like the board with like the paper, like in Pictionary that like they're writing like money, (laughs) money, liquor, flip. (laughs) Let's park. Okay. I hear you, Al. Let's parking lot that until we're done here. I'm seeing those those big post-it notes posted (laughs) all around the rooms. Right. Who do you think their keynote was? Oh, my God. See, we don't give conferences enough credit. We're like, oh, I got to go to a conference. But here, here's a great example of success. Wow. Do you think they had the sticky, my name is? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they checked their weapons at the door? They're like, uh-uh, bring your Tommy gun down to the basement. I want to know if they had the sticky notes, my name is. I want to know if they did those lame, like, icebreakers. my name. Oh, the my The lame God. icebreakers. Please state your name and tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself. Funny, funny. Okay. That is ridiculous. Okay. So not only is this happening in Atlantic City, which is huge, what is happening elsewhere in Atlantic County? Bring me to like, that's a big deal. And I get that a lot of stuff is happening there. But what about just the regular people that are living around Atlantic City and Atlantic County? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell me about those people. In the areas south and west of Atlantic City, 
in places outside of Philadelphia and in southern New Jersey, this area was becoming a refuge for European immigrants. Wow. In the late 1800s, for example, Italian migration increased and Italian settlements became visible across the Philadelphia area, its suburbs, and many parts of southern New Jersey. Mm. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Between 1880 and 1924, there were 4 million Italian immigrants to the United States, half of them between 1900 and 1910 alone. The majority was fleeing the grinding rural poverty in southern Italy. So there was a legit amount of immigrants, but specifically southern Italians coming to the area. Right. And that actually brings us to our story. Tell me about our love story. Sometime between 1910 and 1920, when this influx of Italian-Americans was happening in the area, a man named Giuseppe Dinena and his sister Pasqualina moved to the area. Okay, tell me a little bit about them. Pasqualina was known to have, quote, a slower intellect. Okay. That tells me that she had a cognitive disability and... She probably had some symptomology that made people aware of the fact that she was disabled in this way. Okay, I hear you. Giuseppe, her brother, was probably the one in charge of the family. And it was just he and Pasqualina who came to the area and settled in Richland, New Jersey. Do they have other family members? Why was it just them? They did have other family members left in Italy. They had another sister who was there and presumably other family. But yes, it was just the two of them who came. And I don't think anyone knows why. Do we know why? I would assume to make money to bring the rest of them because they were in such poverty that they were they those two were like the two the flagship to come make the money and then send money back to to bring back their family. That's a common thing, right? Immigrants still do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So why Richland? Tell me a little bit about Richland. Richland, established in 1888, was a village located in Atlantic County, New Jersey, only 30 miles outside of Atlantic City. Nice. The interesting thing about Richland is, although it was so close to the city, it was surrounded by what's known as the Pinelands National Reserve, which is an area known for its vast oak pine forests. Gorgeous. That's what we were seeing in the car when we were talking about the woods. Yeah. It's these large oak pine trees. That you don't expect to see. You don't expect to see big forests in New Jersey. I, I didn't expect to see it. It makes sense. I would I would settle there too. Like in the middle oh of gosh. this beautiful forest, just 30 miles away from a large city. Location, location, location. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> it was perfect. I would have moved there. That's probably what the real estate agent said when Giuseppe <laughs> bought his farm there. He had a farm? He did. How was he doing? Did he like it? Was it hard? Tell me everything. He was doing really well on the farm. He was making money. They had food. And it appears that Giuseppe and his sister Pasqualina were leading a happy life. They were in an Italian community that had settled Mm -hmm. there and their neighbors embraced them both. Even Pasqualina, because some people, if they don't understand um, someone that has a different type of intellect, they may be turned off by them. But the neighbors liked her. Oh, my gosh. They were very fond of her. She Mm. was delightful by all accounts. She endeared herself to everyone she met. I love it. I know. What a cutie. So that's a great story. The end. 
You wish. And they lived happily ever after among the pine tree oaks. Tension would arise, Jill. Why? Everything's going so well. Tension would arise because Pasqualina became smitten with a young man. Mm-mm-mm. His name was Vincenzo Antico. My first crush was an Italian, so I get it. Pasqualina. Vincenzo reciprocated her affections, and the two were a couple. Love everything you're saying. Well, someone didn't love it. And that was her big brother, Giuseppe. Cockblock. Giuseppe was not supportive of this relationship. Why? I mean, we don't know why, but you, we, we can conjecture. I can imagine. You know why? Oh, yeah, okay. I imagine. You, oh, go, yeah. Go Think about it. Jet. If you, do you remember The Godfather Part 2? I don't. Okay, so in The Godfather Part 2, Michael travels to Corleone. I don't know where Corleone is. It's in Italy. Anyway, so he goes to Corleone, Italy, and he sees Apollonia. And Apollonia is so beautiful. And so he's like, hey, I want to date your daughter. And like when they're dating, you see Michael and Apollonia walking. And then behind them is a whole procession of family members, like like grandma, aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers, like... And Giuseppe wasn't doing that with Pasqualina, right? So it would have been like this really traditional family. And then here is his little sister who's slower intellect, like running off into the woods, snuggling and sneeling kisses from Vincenzo. Like you would assume that that would be looked down upon. I don't know about Michael Corleone. What I do know is Giuseppe would have been the leader of his family, right? He would have been the guy in charge. Mm -hmm. Clearly, if his Mm -hmm. little sister, if his sister has a slower intellect, he's the one in charge. He has the power over her. I can... I don't like this over-identifying with Giuseppe (laughs) you're doing here. I'll also say that I would be skeptical of a man who was going to get involved with Pasqualina because Pasqualina probably isn't very wily. She's probably someone who could be taken advantage of pretty easily. So I can see why Giuseppe might be unapproving of this relationship, quite honestly. I hear you, but I just have to say, from all accounts, Pascalina is a darling of a young lady, and I don't think that she would do anything to bring about dishonor to her family. I think Giuseppe, although he is her brother and has her best interest at heart, he needs to step down and let her live her own life, okay? Are you ready to move on? There's okay, going to yeah. be tragedy, Jill. That's why we're doing this story. There is tragedy coming. Are you ready for it? Okay, hold on. Hit me. Suddenly, around May 1st of 1920, Pasqualina suddenly vanishes from the farm. Stop it. Yeah. And the neighbors notice that she's not around anymore. Maybe she was sick of her older brother's shit. (laughs) Maybe he was mouthy and opinionated. And she was like, I'm done with you. So the neighbors asked Giuseppe, where's your sister? Where's Pasqualina? We miss her. Why haven't we seen her around? What does he say? Well, his explanation is that she was becoming too, quote unquote, demented for him to take care of anymore. Mm. And therefore, Mm -mm. he had her institutionalized. (gasps) Yeah. What a dick. Well, that's really shitty because she was well loved by the community. You would think that he would have like had a conversation with people like say goodbye to my sister. It's I'm heartbroken. I have to put her away. I can't take care of her anymore. It does seem odd that she was so well loved and she would just disappear and he would just take her and drop her off at an institution without allowing her without telling everybody. Here's where you can see her now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, please visit her. I have no other choice. But no, that's that's not what happened. 
okay, I don't like this. What happened? Well, sometime later, depending on the sources, three months or three weeks after Pasqualina's disappearance, her brother, Giuseppe, is found shot to death on the farm. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Okay, I don't like what he did either, but like, here's the line and boy, you just crossed it. You know, exactly. Like, Wow. And then after Giuseppe's body was found, that's when authorities ruled it a homicide and assumed that some wrongdoing had come to Pasqualina because guess what? What? She was not in any of the local institutions. Shut up. She was missing and they assumed that she was also the victim of foul play. Who did they suspect? They suspected Vincenzo. No. He loved her. Well, he was thought to have killed Pasqualina and Giuseppe. Okay. The working theory among authorities to what happened was that Vincenzo was like, Pasqualina, I love you. I want to marry you. And she was like, no, my brother Giuseppe, he won't let me. He will not approve this marriage. I cannot. And so she disses him and she goes back to the farm. Well, Vincenzo is piss because he loves her and he wants to marry her. So then he takes her and he murders her. And he's brokenhearted and he's sad and he goes away. And then he's sitting there and he's like, you know what? I murdered my love, but it wasn't her fault. It was her friggin' brother's fault. Screw that guy, dude. And then he gets all angry and he works himself up and he goes back to the farm and he kills her brother too. And he's like, and and yeah, take that, Giuseppe. That's what the police thought happened. Vincenzo fled the county and they actually believe that he fled the country and was hiding out in Mexico. So they sent someone to Mexico to go bring him back. Do they have any leads? Tell me about the investigation. Tell me everything. They did not follow him to Mexico and there was almost no investigation. Um, But then, hmm. but then, okay, something happened. There was a discovery made that would change the case. Tell me. Okay, I'm ready. Hold on. Go. There was a woman's skeleton found in the woods only about a mile and a half from Richland. No. Yes. No. Now, the skeleton was identified as that of Miss Pasqualina. That, oh no, honey. Detectives believed that she met her death by hanging as her skull was some distance away from the rest of the bones. And there was a groove in the limb of the tree overhead as might be made by a rope. Oh, my God. So they believed that she was hanged. But also the evidence was burned. What do you mean it was burned? Well, it was in the woods and it was discovered after a forest fire. Mm. So they think that it was a regular forest fire that had swept through and had destroyed some of the evidence. So this is fuel for them to put like be on the lookout and to find Vincenzo and to bring him to justice. One would think her death would not be probed, though, Jill. What does that even mean? That means that they weren't going to investigate the death. The prosecutor was convinced that Pasqualina did not meet foul play. What does that mean? She was hanging from a tree, Jennifer. What do you mean? What do they think? What what do they think happened to her? They believed that she committed suicide by hanging herself. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. She would not have done that. As evidence, they cited that she had been, quote unquote, demented. And so that must have been the reason for her to commit suicide. Um... Yeah. I'm livid. Are you kidding me? I'm not even kidding. So they don't follow up with her murder, but we still have Giuseppe's murder. We still have Giuseppe's murder. Correct. Okay. So? 
So Vincenzo was indicted for the murder of Giuseppe, but he was never brought to justice and he was never they never tried to to locate him and and bring him back. Why? Why wouldn't they try to locate him and bring him back? He is a murderer. They believe he did it. it. It appears that these deaths happened so close in proximity to Atlantic City and all of the criminal activity that was happening there that it was overshadowed by all of that noise. And nobody cared enough to look into the murders of two lonely immigrants in rural Atlantic County. Okay, really harsh. And I hope you're I hope you're exaggerating. But what leads you to believe that? Well, 17 years later, in 1937, the Giuseppe Denena murder was put on a list for Noel Prosequi. Uh, what is that? <laughs> that sounds like a noise my body makes. Noel Prosequi is a legal Latin term meaning unwilling to pursue. It's kind of a declaration that the prosecutors are just ending a criminal case. It's It's like a motion. It's like a motion to dismiss it. They have evidence to support that Vincenzo killed Giuseppe. They indicted Vincenzo and did nothing with it. Exactly. And they actually are like, we're going to dismiss this. Yeah. Giuseppe's case, Giuseppe's murder case, was one of a thousand other cases that the prosecutor was just unwilling to pursue. Wow. Why? That's because there was such a logjam of indictments at the time that was clogging up all of the criminal proceedings in the Atlantic City area. And so many of the cases that were just dismissed were murders and manslaughters that went back over a decade. And some of these cases on the list for dismissal were actually for suspects that were indicted and just never brought to trial because they didn't have the resources to deal with all the crime happening. I am disgusted and saddened I am sorry that they didn't bring anyone to justice for Giuseppe, even though I'm still suspect of the whole sister situation. Well, I am too. And let's talk about that for a second, because okay. authorities authorities came to the conclusion that she committed suicide. What are your conclusions? First of all, I think the authorities in Atlantic City during the 1920s were about some bullshit. That's number one. That's my first conclusion. You can you can quote me. Second, um... Didn't Giuseppe tell his neighbors that she was institutionalized, that Pasqualina was like too demented to stay at the farm? That is not consistent. That was a lie. That was a straight up lie. She was found in the forest not a mile and a half away. Exactly. So um, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it, Jennifer. Say it. Giuseppe killed his sister. I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true, too. Because if someone else killed her, why would he lie about her disappearance? If she was demented and too demented to stay at the farm, he can be like, "She, I don't know. We need to find her. Exactly. So, right. But no, no, no. no he, he lied to cover up the fact that he murdered his own sister. And I just want to say that I am so offended. I'm so offended that the authorities used her lower cognitive ability as 
an explanation for why she would hang herself, that makes no kind of sense. But it also just goes to show you how cognitive disability and mental illness and other kinds of disabilities were all just kind of lumped together back then. Like nobody, nobody tried to tweeze out different kinds of, you know, disabilities and characteristics. They were just like, oh, she was sick in the head. She must have killed herself. In my mind's eye, Jennifer, I have the scene of Giuseppe working on his farm with like a hoe in the fields and Vincenzo coming up being like, dude, where's your sister? She's not in an institution. What did you do with her? I want to know where she is now. Did you send her back to Italy? And then Giuseppe throws down the hoe. He throws it down and he looks at um, Vincenzo and he's like, look, dude, you made a hoe out of my sister and I wasn't going to let you disrespect my family like that. So she's gone. Fucking deal with it. And then Vincenzo pulls out this like old gun and he's like, he's like, uh, and he shoots him and he kills Giuseppe. And then, and then he runs away and he goes to Mexico. And you know what? He didn't even have to run because no one was looking for him because no one cared. No one was looking for him. That's what happened. He, it's a sad, sad situation. I'm going to ask you, what do you think the relevance is to this story? Remember, Nucky Johnson, who is also in control of Atlantic City in various different ways. He was the sheriff of Atlantic County. So the people that were supposed to be promoting the quality of life in the different municipalities surrounding Atlantic City were totally oblivious to what was happening to people outside of the city. Like all they cared about was making money from Atlantic City, lining their pockets in corruption instead of doing good for the citizens and the people trying to build a life in the area. They were just worried about what they were getting from the city. What do you think? Do you think I'm being dramatic? Yes, dramatic. But there is some truth, I think, to what you said. Who do you think our voiceless is? I for sure, for sure believe that our voiceless is Pasqualina because she was murdered. She was murdered by her brother. The newspapers called it a suicide for some bullshit reason that doesn't even make any sense. A hundred percent. And she loved Vincenzo. She did. Let's talk about our hits. Okay, being pulled to Atlantic City. Like, we were in Philadelphia, and that is a great location. It should be our nation's capital still, folks. We're in Philadelphia. There are so many locations around there. We could have went to New York City. We were debating. We could have went to D.C. We were debating. We could have went to Gettysburg. But we were like, no, we're going east. We're going to the ocean. We're going to the Atlantic. We were pulled to Atlantic City. We were seduced by the idea of Atlantic City the same way so many tourists were seduced by the pull of Atlantic City and what it could offer. Well, also, so many immigrants pulled to that area outside of the city Mm -hmm. for opportunity, for growth, for stability, for wealth. And the woods, Jill, you were picking up on the woods. That would be so significant. Tell me why. Those trees, those beautiful, tall trees were the same trees that Pascolina and Giuseppe would have seen, where they would have been like, this is a great place to live among the trees. And it was amongst the trees where her skeleton was found. Yeah, that's the body in the woods. And the mobsters and the Italian family man boss all fits in here because obviously so many different ways, so many different ways. Obviously, Atlantic City uh, was a hotbed of organized crime, but also in some ways it birthed the modern model of the mafia. 
Absolutely. Also, the fact the bravado of the Italian man in charge, strong mm-hmm. patriarch Giuseppe, trying yes. to control Pasqualina, even down to the who women she loved. of the family. <gasps> Jen, exactly. you're hit I the women up. of the family. Exactly. That, of course, Pasqualina, Jennifer, Jack, and Diane. The song. Tell me, what are your thoughts? The words Little Diddy about Jack and Diane, two American kids doing the best they can, just feels like Pasqualina and Vincenzo, two young kids who really wanted to have a life together, who really wanted to start something together. And it was all cut short, tragically. I have goosebumps because they really did love each Mm. other. They really did. He loved her. That hit is what makes me believe that Vincenzo really loved Pasqualina and he wasn't taking advantage of her. Mm -mm. He wanted to make a life with her and her brother just couldn't deal with it. Right. So he killed her because of how it would make him look. My handicapped sister going off marrying. That's insane. What about the significance of the 1920s? Should we even go there or is it obvious? Oh my gosh, I I can't even believe that we acknowledged that we were feeling all of these different eras, but specifically the 1920s, which is where this story takes place. Hit the nail right on the head. Oh my goodness, Jill. Should I tell the people where they can find us for more stories? I'm just I just want to say about Pasqualina in particular, I feel like her spirit is such a sweet spirit. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we're giving her some peace by acknowledging that she did meet foul play at the hands of her brother. She did. And she deserves to have that acknowledged. Do you know what her energy feels like to me? What does it feel like? It presents like Belle from Beauty and the Beast in the beginning. And like the... That's how like she's walking. Everyone knows her. She's walking around the community. You know mm. what I mean? She's kind of like separate from the community, but she's a, very much a part of it. Yeah. That's that energy that she brings to me. That's what I see when I think of her. I love that. And I hope that we give her some measure of peace by talking about her spirit. I'm so sorry. Your brother was such a dick. All right. Tell the people where they can find us. Well, check out our website, commonmystics.net. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Common Mystics Podcast. And listen in wherever you're listening to your favorite pods. But if you happen to be on Apple, please leave us a positive review so other people can find us. Ooh, and sign up for our Patreons because we're doing detours right now. Atlantic City shenanigans. All right. Meet us there. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Good night. Bye. Bye.